If you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 6, and we want to read a portion of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 12 through verse 15. Praise God. Matthew 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And you may be seated. And I want to speak this morning on the law of forgiveness. Now, this is not normally something that you would expect on a Sunday morning. But I have, uh, I have just prayed and prayed and sought the Lord for some time about uh, just a good number of problems that people have brought to me. And I will say this, that there are so many problems that you can trace to, in an individual's life to an unforgiving spirit. And this is the reason why that I want to talk about this. Now, some Bible scholars feel that when the Lord made this statement, if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father will forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That in the original Greek, the thought is this, that if you fail to forgive those things that you have been forgiven of, dating all the way back to the first transgression, will be brought back to you. Now, I'm not for sure that I buy into that. Because to me that does sound somewhat contradictory to a statement that the Lord made concerning our transgressions. And throughout the Bible, we know that God has promised that if He forgives us, He will remember our sins no more. However, Jesus did give to us a parable, and this parable is a parable that we must take in consideration. It's found in Matthew 18, and I'd like you to turn there with me if you would, this parable is also found in Luke 17. But in Matthew 18, listen to this. Then came Peter unto him. Verse 21, did I tell you that? All right, verse 21. All right. Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Now you can... You can see just a little bit of arrogance in the statement. In other words, this man, Peter, was trying his very best to please the Lord. And so you can see him coming, and he thinks that he has an answer 
to one of the great dilemmas of life that will really impress the Lord. And so he says, now my brother sins against me. How oft should I forgive him? And he says, I think that I can forgive at least seven times, you know, <laughs> one transgression. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now, I don't think that Jesus was necessarily giving a formula that, that this principle of the law of forgiveness works 490 times. And after that, just hang up on them. Now, I'm not, I don't think that's what he was saying, but what he was doing, he was trying his best to shake or jar Peter out of this conceit that he perhaps was manifesting relative to his forgiving heart. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven locked unto a certain man, or king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. Now this, I don't know how much ten thousand talents are, I failed to look it up, but it sounds like a lot, doesn't it? All right, so let's just accept that. I mean, he owed him a lot, all right? But for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay the bill. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and he loosed him and forgave him of the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, I don't know how much a hundred pence is, but it doesn't sound like very much to me. All right? Now, the reason why I use this much and not very much is because the Lord was trying to contrast the large amount against such a small amount. And so, I failed to look this up, which normally, you know, I would do for a message, because it makes greater content and makes the message much longer. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, I didn't do it. <laughs> so I'll just say that it sounds like a whole lot, and it doesn't sound like much. Now, he laid hands on him, this and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done, then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee of all thy debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now listen to this, verse 35. So likewise... Shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not every one his brother 
their trespasses. Now, people who feel that God recalls all of those sins and brings those back and makes you accountable when you do not have a forgiving spirit, they have a pretty good argument. Now, my whole point in this is, however, that regardless of whether the sins are brought back or not, that if those sins that have been forgiven you are forgiven you once and for all, never to be brought up or remembered, if, however, with an unforgiving heart, you have no way whatsoever of having your sins forgiven you from this point on because of an unforgiving heart, then as far as I am concerned, you're going to end up in bad shape anyway. And the reason why is because who among us is perfect? See, that's the whole thing. Now... One, uh, according, in other words, this parable that we just read, we do know this, that according to the individual's willingness to forgive his fellow humans, regardless of who they are, brothers, sisters, those in the church, those outside the church, doesn't make any difference, just people around him, according to his willingness to forgive others, he is forgiven. Now, one may forfeit forgiveness from God by maintaining a bitter and unforgiving heart. And that's, that's basically what the Lord is saying. And I think this parable brings it so close that what the Lord is really saying is that if you have the ability to forgive and you will not, or you have the opportunity. I, I, I shouldn't say the ability. I mean, everybody has the ability, but but uh, I think the opportunity is a better word. If you have the opportunity to forgive and you will not, what makes you think that God should act any differently toward you? Now, what I'm going to talk about today is some very heavy Heavy stuff, all right? So, God is extremely predictable according to Scripture. You've heard me say this. I have made this statement thousands of times in hundreds of messages. God is extremely predictable. This is the reason why that, that if you do certain things, you can expect a certain response from God. And one of the first things that you need to learn when you first start your encounter with God, that you can appropriate blessings based upon good behavior. You can appropriate many blessings based upon excellent behavior. And excellent behavior is behavior that parallels Scripture. You see, it's not in the knowing, it's in the doing. Jesus taught us that. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, not whosoever hears these and retains the knowledge. 
So God is extremely predictable. This is the reason why that, that many of you, in so many areas of your life, you have locked in on those Scriptures, you have obeyed those Scriptures, and God, in return, has blessed you abundantly. It is just awesome how God has blessed some of you. So God is extremely predictable, but God says that what I will do, if you will not forgive men their trespasses, I will break my normal way of dealing with you because you are expecting something of me that you would not do if you were placed in the same position that I'm placed in. In other words, don't don't expect God to act like God normally acts if you will not act like God acts when you stand in the place that God stands. I said a mouthful there, but it's very simple. It's very simple. Why should any human being expect to be on the receiving end all the time? Now, this is one of those cases in which God breaks what I call routine. The way He normally deals with people. He looks at your own attitude. Now, I love if you turn to Acts, the second chapter, and I want to read a very, very familiar Scripture. How many of you have been baptized in Jesus' name? Raise your hands. Oh, my. How many of you have received the Holy Ghost? All right, how many of you have received forgiveness of sins? Let me see. All right, all right. Now, the reason why that I want to read this, because Acts 2.38 is probably the most misquoted, extremely important scriptures in the Bible. And this is how that it's basically misquoted. You listen to this. And you can read along if you want to, and then you tell me how I misquoted this. Then said, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now what did I do wrong? What did I, what did I say that wasn't, that's not in the scripture? Your sins. Because that's not what the Scripture says. It says, for the remission of sins. Carrying with it the Bible teaching that when you go down in water, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to remove your own sins, that you also go down breaking all ties with Everything and everybody. Every sin that's been against you. Because you had the ability to first forgive the individuals. Then the slate is clean when you go down in Jesus' name. It's not just your sins, but all the transgressions against you. Not just those that you have committed against God, but against your fellow man and those that your fellow man has committed against you. Now, what I'd like to do, I'd like to just leave you kind of hanging on that subject. And we want to go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. 
And this is a, a very enlightening Scripture. And I wish I had every one that's ever attended Calvary Gospel Church right here this morning. Because there are a lot of people that are not here today as a result of things piling up in their lives and they were not able to shed those things. All right, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, when it says, lest any man fail of the grace of God, the grace of God is defined in Scripture as the divine leading of the heart and also unmerited favor. Now, unmerited favor simply means that God bestows blessings upon you which you do not deserve and you have not earned. But on the other hand, it starts with the divine leading of the heart, which is equally as important. In other words, God speaks to you inwardly and you respond to God inwardly. God, in turn, blesses you externally as well as He continues to lead you internally. Now, you can't really say that you deserve all of this. You just simply listened to God and said yes. Now, failing of the grace of God in this respect simply means that when God is leading you internally, that you kind of put on the brakes. I mean, you just put on the brakes. Now, verse 15 says, Looking diligently, lest, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And what I want to do, I just want to call your attention to verse 16. Just one, one name in verse 16. That's the name of Esau. All right, Esau is mentioned. We'll get back to Esau. But if you notice what the Scripture says, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you. Now, there's one thing that, that uh, Esau was guilty of, and that's immorality. And the, the Scripture, in its explanation, links the bitterness. See, Esau was betrayed by his brother. And when he was betrayed by his brother, guess what happened to him? He carried a grudge. (laughs) And he couldn't get over it. So his fornication is linked to his troubled heart. And the reason why that is linked to his troubled heart is because the troubled heart is a symptom or a sign of an unforgiving spirit. Now, if all of a sudden God told you, from this point on, you better walk the straight and the narrow because there will be no more blood applied to your life to take your sin away. In other words, when you ask for forgiveness, the Lord says, Goodbye, friend. I'm not forgiving you anymore. So you better walk the straight and the narrow from now on. Now, If we approach the throne of God and there is no mercy, 
if we approach the throne of God and there is sin in our heart, and of course we have to approach the throne to rid ourselves of sin, but with no hope of getting rid of that sin. And we know that heaven is a holy place where no sin will enter in. How many of us would have the slightest chance of being saved? None of us. None of us. Now, what I want to do, I want to talk about, I want to talk about forgiveness, or maybe I should say unforgiveness. An unforgiving spirit has with it. It is a, it is a sickness. I, I think all spiritual problems could be classified as spiritual sicknesses. You know, we have these little communicable diseases and sicknesses that go around in the school and, and in the church. And, of course, if, wherever you work, you'll find those. Somebody comes and sits next to you, and they start sneezing and blowing their nose, and they blow all these things in the air, and guess what? You have to breathe air to live. And, unfortunately, you do not have a filtering system in which you can filter and siphon out and, and, and rid yourself of all that. So... The person next to you is sick, so you get sick. You end up at the doctor's office. Let's say you have a, a runny nose. Now, <clears throat> you may have a runny nose for several reasons. One, maybe you haven't blown your nose lately. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Just every now and then I just get this crazy streak in me. You know, I shouldn't have said that. But let's say you have just a common cold. It's a common cold. You know, you can go down and get yourself some Dristan tablets or, or con, contact. You know, is that a? But all this stuff, you know, you, and you, or it could be that maybe you have a sinus infection. So because you have an infection. At any rate, the purpose of going to see the doctor is you go in and you tell him the symptoms you've had. He said, well... Uh, you know, I, I've been running a fever, which is a sign of infection in the system. And, uh, you know, and what else? Well, my my eyes have been itching out, you know, just, oh, just itching. I just can't understand. Well, based on the symptoms, the doctor then makes a statement concerning your sickness. So he says, well, based on all the symptoms, you must have, let's say, the flu or a virus or a sinus infection. Sometimes they'll even, they'll even uh, x-ray your head. <laughs> this kind of struck me funny. The last time I thought I had a sinus infection, so I went to the doctor, they x-rayed my head, and this technician came in and said, we absolutely saw nothing up there. Well, she meant for that to be good news, you know. (laughs) Well, all right, but but you understand what I'm saying, and you know the thing about it is, isn't it? Isn't it? We can develop all kinds of spiritual problems, and we can be in a real dilemma. I mean, when trouble comes, trouble, things are bothering us, troubling us. And, and we, don't, we don't try to trace it back to anything. 
wouldn't it be nice if Christians could take care of their spiritual lives like we try to take care of our physical lives? In other words, we can have the we can have we can have the the slightest thing. One time up at camp, we had a, a breakout of head lice up there with our in junior camp. We spent nine hundred dollars treating kids. I mean to tell you, there were nurses with latex gloves, and they were scratching heads and, and scrubbing and washing and showering and you know everything. And, but 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 you know, and, and this this is and, and this is one trait of, of a lady. And I and, and I say this complimentary. They like to find the root of the problem. And and so the buzzword or the buzz phrase at camp was, "Who brought the lies to camp?" We're going to find out who brought the lies to camp. And so what they did was they just, everybody, and, and they, they, you know, they lined these little kids up against the wall and said, was your head itching when you came to camp? You know. Well, last night we were talking about head lice, and you know, mine started itching. You ever notice how that happens? You know, it, it, it's, I guess it's psychological. You know, they say you have to have hair to have lice. <clears throat> but and and so they were trying to find out who brought the lice to camp. Well, they think they found out who brought the lice to camp. The problem is, you know, I said, well, you know, what are you going to do when you find out? At least you'll know who to hold a grudge against, you know. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need to investigate things so you'll know who to hate. <clears throat> I mean, it's after the fact, but but basically what I'm saying is the, the truth of the matter is that if all of a sudden we become discontent and we're troubled in our heart and we know that there are some symptoms of some spiritual problem, wouldn't it be nice if we just sit down and say, now who have I been talking to about negative things? Where have I been? In the company of, of, uh, of whom have... Uh, you know what 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 what's going on here? Have I been overexposed to something? Do you know that who you're with affects your attitude? And if every time you're with that person you end up with a bad attitude, guess what? Either you're going to have to strategically come up with a plan to correct that bad attitude or break ties with that person. You hear what I'm saying? Now, what I want to do, I want to go into some symptoms of an unforgiving spirit. So that all of you will know when you see these that perhaps it could be that I have an unforgiving spirit. Now, some of the symptoms that I'm going to call today could be associated with other root spiritual problems. You know, just like... Uh, you could have a fever. It doesn't mean you have a sinus infection. You could have infection some other place in your system. It could be a symptom of maybe something other than a sinus infection. But usually, people, when they run a fever, if they have sinus problems, they, that's the first thing they think about. In other words, they're smart enough to know that there's a weakness. But for some reason, when it comes to our spiritual life or our our inner person, the inner man, we don't like to think that way. We don't. We like to just shut it out. Now, all right, <clears throat> you notice the word troubled. The word troubled. 
lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you. Now, bitterness is, is one of the final stages of an unforgiving spirit. So what I'll do, I'll just throw that out. But it, it, it starts out usually with the person just not feeling too comfortable with things, just troubled. Now, there are people that are troubled. Uh, there are people that I'm speaking to today that are troubled. You seem to stay troubled. It's always something bothering you. Always. It might be that maybe a few things in life have dealt you a low blow and you can't get over it. You understand what I'm saying? It just, I mean, that, that just might be. A troubled spirit leads to discontent and dissatisfaction. Do you have trouble staying content with things? You have trouble staying satisfied. There's some people that, you know, that nothing is ever right. I mean, if they drew up the plan for life and they try to live it out, it still wouldn't be right. They're just people that way. Now, it doesn't mean that you have an unforgiving spirit, but it possibly could mean that you do. Now, the more symptoms that you have in any spiritual sickness the greater are your, is your ability to predict what your problem is. All right? Now, dissatisfaction leads people to, what would I say, a, a bad attitude about life. We, we, we talk about this in, in our Christian school. We, we don't like for our kids to go around and, and you know, they're they, they just unhappy just unhappy campers, you know, just going around. What's wrong today? I don't know. Well, why are you so upset? No, I don't know. I talk with children like that. Because I hate this dumb school. You know? We don't let them talk like that. We say, no, this is not a dumb school. Dumb to me. Now, we're talking about people becoming troubled and dissatisfied. Do you know that, that, that this possibly could be that something has dealt you a low blow and you can't get over it? Another one is stupid. My parents are stupid. Teachers are stupid. Half my friends are stupid. The only smart person around here is Pastor Grant. Just trouble about things. And, 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 and truthfully, they don't know why they're troubled. If things are going good, they're alarmed. I've even had people say, oh, but don't hold your breath. Because you know how life is. Now, you understand why I'm saying this. Because they feel that life is unfair. Well, you know my answer to that? It is. But so what? What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? If life is unfair, what are you going to do? Are you going to make it fairer? <clears throat> are you going to straighten out this dilemma we're all involved in? Not with your bad attitude, you won't. It gets fairer 
as you get better. <laughs> but, but you follow what I'm saying. So, life is dumb. It's stupid. You know, everything is dumb and stupid. And, and you're discontent. You're dissatisfied. You're troubled inside. This could lead to jealousy, envy. You become jealous of people that, you know, there's people, every time you see them, they're singing and singing like a lark, you know, you know just happy. Uh-huh. Remember one time I, I said something about Mickey Friend. You, a lot of you know Mickey Friend. He's always laughing. He just laughs about everything. You know, just I, One man said, he's disgusting. He's so happy. <clears throat> Isn't that something? Maybe he has the ability to forgive. <laughs> now, one sign of an unforgiving spirit is anger. Having a short fuse. Now, there are other reasons why people get angry. But I'm talking about just that's just basically it. Just a short fuse. Just, 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 mm. Sometimes they don't even know. Just things don't go their way. It's because they really feel that life is unfair. Um, where should we go in the Scripture? Let's look at James 1.19. Let's see what that Scripture says. James 1.19 Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. See, anger is, is basically, it's just being wrathful. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Then there's another scripture, Ephesians 4. Verse 26. And this scripture, and I'll just paraphrase it, says that we should not let the sun go down on our wrath. What does that mean? It means every night before you go to bed, make sure you make peace with everybody. <clears throat> because if you have sin in your heart and you can't get rid of it, guess what? You know what, you know what sin is like? It's like salt water on metal. You leave it there for a while, and guess what? It's all rusted out. Isn't that right? You know what Wisconsin cars look like if you never watch them? Look like a picket fence or something? Well, that's what happens to your heart. Now, <clears throat> here's, here's the thing. that See, see anger leads, leads you to... Some people express it in other ways. Some just have a major blow-up. You know, like one of our southern preachers, I don't know why, but he always got hail mixed up with hell. And his wife said, you know, how come you always say hell when you mean hail? So they had a storm out next to Brother Tom's house. And they had hail storm, stones about inch in diameter and tore up a lot of stuff. One this preacher got behind the pulpit, he said, I'm telling you out at Brother Tom's house they're having a hail storm. <clears throat> well, see, what do you think people thought when they heard that? <clears throat> I mean, they thought things were bad. 
<clears throat> but some people are that way. I mean, when they blow up, I mean, they really blow up. Others express themselves in different ways, such as people being chronically sarcastic. Just chronically sarcastic. That the only way that you can have a, a conversation, almost that a decent conversation, <clears throat> the only way you can have a conversation is that that they are they they have to in, inject these these sarcasms, and they are always making little slight cuts about people. Now, why do you think they do that? Because they have something inside of them that they can not get rid of. Or maybe I should say they won't get rid of. Sarcastic people, they become caustic in time. And, and of course, you can't always separate the two words. But in, in, in this sense, I, I guess, I mean, they become very, very cutting, sharp, sting. Now, People poke fun all the time, you know, and you're going to say little things like that. I'm, I'm talking about chronic problems. I'm talking about people that all the time, husbands and wives can get involved in this. Where every time there's something said. You know, parents can even do this with their children. I have known of parents that just, you know, they call their children stupid. They're stupid. Now, you know, I've lived long enough to know that you can do stupid things without being stupid. You know, a stupid act is something that's done one time, but say they're stupid, that means that that, that is their normal way of doing everything. Just like you can fail without being a failure. Because failure is a permanent thing. To fail means I did something wrong. And and then when the, the children are all beat down like that by just being stupid and dumb and and, and you know, well, what do you what kind of an attitude do they get? They become resentful, don't they? Their steam is low. They don't forgive either. After a while, everything is sarcasm. They become very caustic and bitter. Galatians 5, one of the works of the flesh. Let's just, just turn there. Galatians 5, and let's read, verse, uh, let's read verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Don't be needling someone all the time. Don't be envying someone. In other words, if you've got all this energy to spend, why don't you spend it on getting your own acting right? Because you never will be able to straighten somebody else out, especially in view of you not having much clout there anyway. <laughs> Isn't that right? And you know, I've always felt this way. If someone is so dumb and stupid that they need to be straightened out, why don't you seek a productive means to get them to straighten up? You will not do it by criticizing. You will not do it by, by sarcasm. You will not do it by ridicule. You won't. That's just the way it is. Now, let's go on. All right. So we talk about anger. And, and then, we, of course, we, you know, we throw a lot of things in there. Resentful. 
What, what does the word resentful really mean? It means feeling injured, wouldn't you say, over a period of time. Now, I made it sound like I didn't know, but I looked it up in the dictionary. So if you're, if you're questioning about that, just put dictionary definition so it won't bother you. It's, it's just been resentful over a long period of time. Or, or rather, having feelings over a long period of time, being injured, you become resentful. And then, of course, listen to this. Anger, resentment, sarcasms, short fuse, being caustic, critical, leads to hatred. Hatred. Hatred is defined in the Scripture as malice or ill will toward people. Now, Jesus gave us the formula for overcoming this. Love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. You know, the, you know the reason why the Lord gave us all these these rigid rules? He did it to make life so hard that we'd all be miserable. God just loves to do that, you know. No, that's not how He did it, is it? Why do you think He did it? He did it so that we can enjoy life. We don't have to carry around all this excess baggage. We can be free. You can go around people and, and, and actually have fun. You walk up to someone in the best view, good morning, what's good about today? <clears throat> Have you ever been told that? Oh, sure. Have you ever said that? Don't answer. <clears throat> Luke six twenty seven. love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you and even persecute you. And then there comes, after hatred, vengeance. That means revenge. I'll get even. I'll get even. Now you can see then why an unforgiving spirit, I'll just stop right. You can see why an unforgiving spirit could lead even to murder, couldn't you? I've had enough of them. I'm going to wipe them out. Revenge. What is revenge? It means carrying a grudge. It's a long-time grudge thing. Grudge. Do you carry grudges? How quick do you get over something when you're injured? How quick? You know... It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? If you can't do anything about somebody, going around feeling bad at them. You know what's happening while you're feeling bad and you're over in the corner pouting and you're figuring out ways to get even? They're just out there just having a glory, hallelujah, high heel kicking time. <clears throat> Slapping everybody on the back and enjoying the party. And you're doing this thinking, boy, I'll tell you one thing, I'm really, I'm really making life tough for them. You sure are. <laughs> now, <clears throat> you may say, Pastor, why do you... Listen, one of the best friends that I've ever had, a man involved in the ministry, you know what he told me? He left the ministry not long ago. He's no longer in the ministry. He is not preaching the gospel. He has no desire to preach or pastor anymore. 
You know what he told me? He said, well, this all started years ago back up at Wisconsin District Camp when my son was placed in a dorm and he was falsely accused of something that he did not do. You mean something that insignificant, I told him? He said, that's not insignificant. There was a district superintendent whose son was killed in the war. And this man was embittered. And I'm sorry to say that this man lost out with God and his his whole life from that point on was just, it it was bad, bad news. Here comes a little old saint up. He said, brother, and called his name. We'll be praying for you. And God loves you. He said, if that's so. He said, where was God when my son was killed in the foxhole? He was killed in Germany. Or France, I think it was, in World War II. Where was God when my son was killed? And this little old saint, trying her best to comfort. She looked at this man of God. And and it was almost like the Lord put the words in her mouth. You know what she said? She said, I suppose he was in the same place he was when his own son was killed on the cross. And she turned and walked away. But what an answer with a man. But he couldn't get over that. What are you going to do? Is that going to bring your son back? What are you going to do? But he would not forgive even. He wouldn't forgive God. Vengeance. Carrying a grudge. Now, <clears throat> the thing about it is that, that most of the symptoms that I've talked about are, are, are very, very deep-rooted. They have very severe consequences. But there are others. There, there's some that I talk about sarcasm, which I think is a, you know, it, it's a problem. Everybody is sarcastic to a degree. You know, we all, especially when we joke around and kid around with people, we do this. But here's one. Gossip. Almost forgot. Gossip. What is gossip? What is gossip? Now, my definition of gossip is this, that you are sharing information with someone about somebody else who is not a part of the problem nor the solution. And we're talking about detrimental information. In other words, you can't do anything about it, but you sure do like to talk about it. See, gossip is the bad news. Gospel is the good news. And some people, you know, like Jesus said, the Scripture said about Jesus, he, he went about doing good. Some people just go about. And they're troubled. And they spread gossip. When's the last time you got on the phone and talked about someone? About something that was absolutely none of your business. Now, we're not talking about sharing victory reports. Talking about that, that, that juicy information that people like to hear. 
You understand what I'm saying? Things that you would read in the Pentecostal Inquirer. <clears throat> now, listen to this. When, when I catch people gossiping and I, I stop them, you know what I tell them? A gossip can not be saved. I've had people say, what? How come I can't be saved? God forgives. Well, first place, if what you're doing needs forgiveness, don't be doing it. But secondly, the reason why I say this is because gossip is a symptom of an unforgiving spirit. And if you will not forgive people their trespasses, if somebody does something wrong and you have a forgiving spirit, you don't run around telling everybody, do you? But you know the reason why you run around telling everybody? Because you don't have a forgiving spirit and you'd like to do that person wrong. This just gets in your system. It gets ingrained in your system to the point that it doesn't make any difference. I mean, you'd like to bring everybody down. Everybody that falls is a victory for you. Everybody that, that collapses, it's a victory for you. You like to share that. The church always has one or two people that if something's going wrong, they know it. I mean, they know it. Because, you know, <clears throat> the Lord calls us to be witnesses, but to a few, the Lord called them to be private investigators, not witnesses. <clears throat> Do you know that? Sure. And they always know. Now, if you, you know, if, 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 any, if any of these symptoms you have, what you need to do, you need to say, well, <clears throat> you know, if, if I'm getting this bad cold by using my neighbor's hanky, I won't use my neighbor's hanky anymore. You know? If I'm getting this head lice by scratching somebody's head, I won't scratch their head anymore. If I'm getting the scabies by using somebody's towel, I won't use their towel anymore. Makes sense, doesn't it? Let's say <clears throat> there's a restaurant in town, and all of a sudden there's a report that everybody that goes there gets food poisoning. But I love their food. I don't care whether I get food poisoning or not. I want to enjoy it now, and I'll puke later. <clears throat> well, that's the way some people are about their spiritual life. You know that? I don't know if I'm impressing anybody this morning or not, but I'm sure trying. I want you to understand how serious this is. Now, Jesus said, see, everybody gets offended in life. Wish I had time to read this, but Jesus said in Matthew 18, 7, offenses must come. Why? Because we have no way of escaping life. Did you know that you live in a non-perfect world and you rub shoulders with non-perfect people? And as much as everybody would try not to offend you, somebody's going to put their foot in their mouth and say something that's going to offend you. Now, you have a choice when you're offended as to whether you want to stay offended, talk about it, get bitter, get angry, get troubled, or get over it. Now, you got a choice. Anger is a choice. 
but, but you know. I mean, while everybody else is drinking out of a, a clean, distilled bottle, you're going out with a cup and you're drinking out of the mud hole. And you say, well, it's water. Water's water. Now, my time is almost up. Now, you have to understand, to everybody else that's preaching here, they have a time. But I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I set the clock in the back. We normally get out at 11.30. Today, it's going to be 11.35. <clears throat> we just changed the schedule. No, listen. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> let, let me tell you what happened. Somebody called me. Long distance. This lady was trouble. I'm in early trouble. And she told me a story about her pastor. Now, to this day, this pastor does not know this. But she told me a story about her. Her pastor was also a builder. And what she had done, she had hired him to do some remodeling in her house. And he didn't finish it. But she had given him the money in faith that he would. But he didn't finish it. And she had tried and tried and tried. And I'm just telling her side of the story. He would not come over. She called me and she says, I want you, because you're the district superintendent, to get involved because he owes me an apology. She said, do you think he does? I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you will find in the Scripture where anybody, regardless of what they've done to you, owes you an apology, I'll give them a call. Now, you call me back now in a day and show me scripturally where anybody, where you have a right to demand an apology from anybody. Now, this is going to challenge you, okay? Because I hear this all the time. They owe us an apology. Find it in the scripture. You may say, well, what is the, what is the answer to, 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 to solving social problems or spiritual problems? Or what's the answer to to, to solving domestic problems. The answer is for you to be willing to forgive. She called me back and she said, I know it's in there, but I couldn't find it. I said, it's not in there. <laughs> and that's the reason why you couldn't find it. There's nothing in the Bible that says I have a right to demand an apology of anyone. If my brother sinned against him, what do I do? I go to him. If I think I've offended him, I go to him. The buck always stops on me. So she said, well, tomorrow night we have communion. And she said, I, I'm, just not, I'm not in any shape to take communion. I, I agreed with her. And I said, yes, you're right, you're not. But here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to free your pastor of his obligation to you. She said, I will go to my grave before I do that. I said, then you'll go to your grave, a bitter old woman, one of these days. She said, but he, he needs to finish the work. I said, but the problem is he's not. And I can't make him, and neither can you. Now, I said, now I'm not talking to your pastor this time, but what I am doing, I'm just assuming while you're telling me this, that what you're telling me is true. It may or may not be. Well, I'll assure you it is. Well, sure, everybody's right in their own eyes, you know. And only a fool, the Bible says, would judge a matter before he had the opportunity to look into it. Now, that's Scripture, you know, text from the book of Proverbs. So, I said, all right, okay, all right, all right. But what I want you to do, 
is I want you, and you know what I did? Open your Bible now. Let's go through the concordance. And she opened her Bible, and we, I, I said, write down all these, these words. Now, I want you to find scriptures that have these, and I want you to call me back within two or three days here. She said, oh, but we have communion tomorrow, tomorrow night. I said, then we've we got to have a crash course in this. You call me back tonight. And she did. And we went over the Scripture. And I said, I want you to memorize these Scriptures. And, and I told her which ones to memorize. And she did. Now, I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Now, I want you to call up your pastor or go by the church when he's there. And I want you to go in. And I want you to walk into his office. And I want you to be tender when you do this. And I want you to apologize for these bad feelings you've had. And I want you to forgive him. Why should I do that? I said, I thought you wanted to have communion tomorrow night. I thought you wanted to be forgiven. See, even she admitted that she shouldn't take communion in the shape she's in. She knew that was something troubling her. She knew that she, you know, she even sought ways to get even with him. She had told church board members and everything. She tried to get a petition signed to get him to do the work. But, you know, pastors are hard-headed. They don't, you know how that goes. You know. <laughs> but at any rate, you know what happened? She stopped by his office and she went in. And she called me later and told me. She said, when I walked in his office, something hit me like a ton of bricks. The power of God came down. And she said, I was, I was really ready to, to, to you know, I, I thought, well, well, we'll bring this out. We'll dis- discuss this. This is what she said. She said, I, 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 uh, pastor, uh, uh, and she broke down. She said, I've been holding feelings against you about this work. She said, I have not been a loyal supporter of the church since then. And, and you know, when she really got into this hot uh, feeling that she had inside of her and everything, and she asked his forgiveness, you know what he did? He broke down. He said, you know, I should have finished that work. And, 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 and he said, I'll be over to finish. She said, oh, no, I have forgiven you. I, I don't, you do not ever have to finish this work. And he wept and sobbed, and she wept and sobbed. And the next night, they went to communion, and that church had an explosion in their communion service. The reason why, the pastor called me up, and he said, we've been praying for revival. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, Brother Grant, I think we really had the breakthrough. He never knew I talked to this lady like this. I said, that pastor does not owe you an apology from your point of view. Now, if I were talking to him, I might tell him to go and apologize, but you have no right to demand that. Why? Because you would be the person that would have the least amount of leverage on him. If some spiritual leader that he had asked him, that's a different thing. But you don't have any right, according to Scripture, to say that that somebody owes me an apology. But you can forgive. You see, here's the thing. See, we think that repentance is the fruit of forgiveness. Oh, Or forgiveness, rather, is the fruit of repentance. I said that. That's not according to Scripture. We love Him because He first loved us. We have the ability to repent because He first forgave us. Jesus was hanged upon the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Why can God continue to love 
a wretched sinner like me because he has the ability to forgive. You know what this sister did? She called me up about a week later and she said, you know, she said, Brother Grant, there's nothing that's ever happened to me that's brought such great victory. She said, I was needing an automobile and I, here I was strapped with my work unfinished and my car was broken. And she said, I told my pastor, my car is broken. And you know what he did? He went down to a local car dealer, talked to this man. He didn't even know this man. This man was moved by compassion about this lady's need. He called this, this, this sister and called the pastor and said, I want you to come over. They went over there and she picked out a car that she liked. It was a compact type car. It was a nice car. And he said, I'll work with you on this. You can pay me however you want. When she picked it out, you know what happened? The car dealer started crying. And this is what he said. He said, I've never been touched by a story like this. And you can have the car. I'm giving you the car. And this lady drove away in a car. And she had her old car to sell. You know what she did? She sold her old car, hired a contractor to finish the work. And the church had revival. Praise God. I want you to stand with me at this time. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. Now let's be sensitive. God wants to speak to us right now. Some of you have bitterness in your heart. Some of you have been holding it for a great amount of time. You have not been able to hear my voice because you have held bitterness in your heart. Roots of bitterness are something that if they are not forgiven, if they are not yielded unto me, if they are not sought to me, if not given to me and asked for forgiveness, I cannot forgive you. How shall you make it into heaven? How shall you make it into my kingdom with bitterness in your heart? My blood only covered what you have done. But I cannot continue to forgive bitterness if there is not forgiveness in your heart. You may stand at the gate and say, why not me? Why not me? I have been baptized in your name. You may stand at the gate and say, I have been filled with your spirit and say, why can I not enter? You may be held right there and you'll wonder all through eternity. Today is a day of forgiveness. Wives, husbands, friends. Oh, you need to forgive. Forgive.
forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Oh, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, God, dear God, dear God, dear God. And while you are in this beautiful atmosphere, let me just read two scriptures. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. How come Esau did not have the ability to enter in the presence of God? Esau died a bitter old man simply because even though he asked his brother to forgive him, he never really got it out of his heart. He cried about it, he prayed about it, but he couldn't get rid of it. He just couldn't. He could not forgive him. And because he couldn't forgive him, he was locked out eternally from God's blessings. Our altar is open. I'm asking you to come and pray this morning. Everybody that would like to pray. Everybody that's holding anything in your heart. Everybody that's troubled inside. If you've got at least two symptoms that I've mentioned, why don't you come on? It doesn't mean that you do have an unforgiving heart. But I will assure you one thing. A good bloodbath will not hurt you. Come on right now. Oh, hallelujah. How sweet the sound that Come on and pray. Come on right now. Come on. We need someone to come and pray with this lady right down here.